In today's podcast, we thought we would do something different. I have a guest. Say hi. Hello. Maybe I'm... Mystery guest. <laughs> Mystery guest. <laughs> no, um, I'm Phil. Um, and yes. who is a Phil? <laughs> <laughs> Behind the scenes. But, but been playing a little bit of a role in the YouTube videos recently. <laughs> yes, for those of you that don't know, Phil is my beautiful, amazing, stunning husband. And uh, we've had some questions come in and Phil thought it would be funny if he could ask me some questions. Maybe put you in the hot seat, if we can call that. I like a hot seat. I like a heated <laughs> yes, seat. You do. <laughs> you do. You've got the heater on probably now, but you don't. Um, but we thought we would ask you the questions. Um, Go. And, and you can Bring sit back. On. So these are some questions that were sent through from some listeners. Yes. So we thought we'd um, ask you and just kind of get to, get to know a bit more about Tash. That's it. So let's get into it. Okay. So they would like to know, firstly, what horses do you currently own? What are, what are the horses oh, you have at the moment? Do we want to, do I answer that in the presence of my husband? <laughs> Keep it under five, maybe, <laughs> if you can. Well, we actually have still four Frisian mares that um, we love. We love going to go see the black ones. Go, it's nothing better than going into a paddock and seeing four beautiful black horses. And we have uh, two Frisian stallions still. Yes. yes. Well, three, actually. We have um, one who's 20. Uh, so he doesn't breed anymore. And um, Arba, we can give yep, him Arba. Arba. Oh, Arba, we can give Arba, names. Arba, who, yeah. who took you to, well, you guys yes. went to Grand Prix. Arba was the first Frisian in Australasia to go to Grand Prix. He, um, I trained him all the way from prelim to Grand Prix and had so much fun with him. And then he works here at the Institute helping beginners get... Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's teaching me. That's it. So. so then we also have Ollie. Ollie is, uh, I think he's about seven. Would he be about seven or eight? Um, and he's nearly about to go pre-St. George and he's a purebred Frisian stallion. Very different to Arba. Um, uh, has the same kind of attitude, but uh, definitely has a bit, bit better talent than Arba. But Arba made up for it with his beautiful heart. Yeah. And then I have a younger Frisian who's very, very exciting called, we called him Q. Uh, so that's the Frisian side of it. And then what do we have that's on the warm blood side of it? Well, we still have Gretchen, gorgeous Gretchen, who I bought a couple of years, like a lot of years ago now. And she is confirmed small to us. She's working on all the Grand Prix work and um, she's in England. She was meant to be my international horse to compete. And there was a bit of wandering around with, okay, when am I going over to Europe to do that? And then COVID has hit and now I definitely am not going over to Europe not, to do that. Um, not over there. So Gretchen actually is for sale. We need to, um, because it looks like we won't be able to get over there until 2022, and that's a bit too long. Mm. So that's Gretchen's plan. Uh, and what other horses do we have here? Uh, the next horse I'm riding is not a horse I own, but a horse that um, does lessons at the Institute. I've kind of fallen in love. His name's Benito, and he is knocking on the door of Small Tour. He can definitely get through a pre-St. George test, and he could get through an into one test. <laughs> we could get through it. Yeah. Um, so I'm working with him and absolutely loving that. And um, Jive is my new Grand Prix horse. So he arrives at the end of October. And um, we're really thrilled to start working with him because he's... What scares me though, Drive, is chestnut. I have a chestnut horse. Mm, bit like um, Gretchen. Is she yeah, well, no, she's a bay. Okay. So, and Benito's a bay. So I don't so own a black one. Definitely gone away from 
black warm blood. I'm terrified. And what's your goal? Like, so you've got Benito. Um, are you planning to compete him at a competition? Yes. At the aim? If the virus, like Australia is trying to do some some beating of the virus kind of stuff. So the, the, the word on the street is mid-November there's a competition and I would like to take Benito um, in the pre-St George and I would like to take Jive into the Grand Prix. That would be the plan. So my goals for them is just to get them both to Grand Prix. Well, Jive's already there and just to, that, that's my new foray into a 70% world in Grand Prix. I was gonna say, is that your, is that your um, big goal? That's my big to goal. To crack a 70% in the Grand Prix? Yes, so my personal best Grand Prix score is, wait for it, 62.5%. It's huge. It's gonna give you 64.5%. I think I did head. get that in a Kerr. Does that count? It's got to count. It's we, a Grand Prix curve. We, we, we mentioned both scores. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, and that was the same in small tour. So I had only ever really scored a 61, 62 in small tour. And then Wessel came along and I cracked a 70 with Wessel. Mm. So um, these small bloods help you crack that 70 barrier. So now we want to do the same thing in Grand Prix. So that's the goal. That's exciting. Bring it on. That is exciting. Okay, and everyone would love to know, what, what does a day in your life look like as an equestrian? How does it... Well, I wouldn't say I'm an equestrian. <laughs> um, I, w I, I despise labels, as you know, mm -hmm. and I am, never not, I am never just one thing, am I? You're, you're many things, Tash. Am I beautifully <laughs> multifaceted? So uh, my day looks like I wake up, I see my gorgeous kids and get them ready for school and then come down and ride some horses and then come down um, and normally go live or do something to serve our amazing community or I'll record a podcast or I'll record a YouTube video or something, I'll record a program. You, said, you brushed it very quickly, you go, I'll ride some horses in the morning, but is that is that you? generally like to ride like three four horses so let's say that you like to ride the frisian ollie yes benito yes uh, and soon to be jive yes so probably so three rides is generally like what you like to do in the morning and mm -hmm. then sometimes um throughout that week um working with your new um our project kind of thing with the warm uh, my sorry, favorite horses we didn't i didn't mention that i currently own them i guess i do own them yes but that's so and so we're kind of retraining those so you kind of have three sometimes four rides yeah potentially five yeah um yes but uh, I, 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 I have changed. When I was 20, all I wanted to do was ride 10 horses a day. Um, I got up to riding seven a day, and I think I even competed um, four. The most I've ever competed is four horses in eight dressage tests in a day. That was fun. Um, but yeah. I'm, I'm actually, that's not my goals anymore. I've changed, and that's okay. Um, and I'm, I'd prefer to ride less horses and spend more time um, doing other things, stuff in the office, and um, I do gym. Don't laugh. I do do gym, not at the intensity that you do, but mm. I do do gym. Yes. And it's really important that we spend time with our kids. So we try to be there. Um, you know, there's no work. There's no nothing going on once school's finished so we can spend time with them. Yeah. That's my day. Roughly. Yeah. Okay. Otherwise, go on YouTube. Didn't you do a whole day in the life of Tash? I did. Yes, yes. There is there is quite a bit of time spent in the office and and as you're trying to get the message out, help as many equestrian riders in the world as you can. What, what was like your aim with the Serve fear? and with, add with, value. With like fear and for example, you want to help, I think is it one million riders who have been impacted by fear in some way overcome their fear and get back that love of riding. Absolutely. It is not okay if someone's scared to do something they love. It is my mission on the planet to help anyone that 
has that because it's not a nice feeling. Yeah. I think we've touched on this a little bit in the, in the previous questions when you were talking about England and stuff, but uh, COVID-19, has it impacted your everyday life? I guess it's, I guess one could say it's, it, it certainly impacted what you had planned for 20, you had, you had a lot of plans for 2020 Aww. overseas. And I think hit, hitting the international yes. writing tour or circuit, I don't know what you call it, for yes. the first time. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Well, yes. <laughs> so I don't think it's really impacted my everyday life, like my day-to-day -day life, but it's certainly impacted um, the overall year and, and the goals and the plans. So yes, I was meant to be, um, you and I were going to, with the kids, move to England for four months. And in those four months, we were going to travel to, there was international competitions in England. We were also going to go to France and Germany um, with Jive, the Grand Prix horse, and with Gretchen, mm. the Prix St George horse. That was the plan. Didn't happen like that. Uh, so what a great gift. What a great um, thing to learn um, to to you know, make other goals and make other plans and change the goalposts because you only control what you can control. Uh, so yeah, how's it impacted our everyday life? Uh, to day-to-day -day life, I'm just sad that we don't get to go to our favorite burger shop once a week because we can't leave our home. We um, are on a five kilometer. It's not ours. Uh, it's, it's good. But I'm it's, not feeling it. <laughs> All right, mine. But yes, no, day to day, it's not too bad because we're very, very lucky that we live on 100 acres. And um, so when we're confined to our house, it's okay. Our horses are here. Everything's here. Our pets are here. Um, but yeah, we don't see anyone. We don't see family and we don't see friends, which is sad. No, no. It'll be gone. Maybe soon. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe a year or so. We'll see. Um, what has been your biggest achievement in your riding career so far? Whoa. Um, so I guess you'd probably say the biggest achievement would have to be your highest score in Grand Prix. But personally, when I think of my favourite memory, I think of the first rug that Arba won me in like Novice. Mm. We won like Novice Champion and I was like, woohoo, I'm a champion and I have a rug to prove it. It made me feel very good. Um, and as disastrous as our first Grand Prix was, I think it scored like a 52 or a 55%. Hey, it was over 50. That's a win in my book. Like at uni, you only had to get over 50. Yeah. That was like my standard. So doing your first Doing Grand my first Prix. Grand Prix. It was yeah. like, I've done this. I had a goal. I'd said for seven years, I will be the first Australian person to bring a Frisian to Grand Prix. I will be the first, um, I will own the first Frisian in Australia at Grand Prix. I'm going to do this. And every coach and every person told me that wasn't going to happen. It couldn't happen. And um, I couldn't do it. And it was like, yeah, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to share. I got one memory of your writing, or many memories, but one particular was your, um, um, your birthday one year. Yes. And you, I think you'd been, you might have been doing Grand Prix. For I'd been a, doing Grand Prix for months, months, I think a year. <laughs> and you're still having some slight problems in the, <laughs> you're so kind. in the one, one time tempies. Yes. And you're, you were actually competing on your birthday. Yes. And you said, best, best, best birthday present today if I can get my 15 ones. And you got it. And you was like, happy birthday to so me. I, I remember you, you're like, I don't know how the rest of the test went, but you like got my 15 months. Yeah, I don't that think it went that well, but I was like, let's just retire now. Yeah. Like it's done. It took only like half of the long, like the diagonal yeah. to get your 15. We were there by X. But that was, I don't know, I remember that one stands out as one thing because it was like really wish, wish, wish. And it happened on the day that you said, decided today is going to happen. So intention, big thing there. Mm -hmm. Um. 
and probably carrying on because we've obviously all I've been talking a bit about Arbor, but what horses taught you the most and why? I think that question's, it's it's not possible. Every horse teaches you. There's not one horse that teaches you. Like Yorit bucked me off all the time. He taught me so much Mm. um, about staying on a bucking horse and how to feel when a horse is about to buck and to stop it before it bucks. And that's a skill I use on the thoroughbreds. It's a skill, not that they've tried to buck, Mm. but you know, it's a skill you use all the time on young horses or whatever's gonna happen. Um, Every horse, and I've been lucky, I've I've ridden a lot of horses, not not an insane amount of horses, but I've ridden a few and trained a lot, um, probably trained 20 up to medium level. So um, they all teach me something and they all make me giggle because even when you think, oh, now I know how to do something, the next horse you get on, you're like, oh, this is due. What am I learning here? <laughs> As you would know in your vast experience of riding Arba and Ollie, they're different. Yeah, and Tambo. Oh, um, and Tambo, look at you. Up to, up to three. Um, <laughs> All different, <laughs> different lesson every time. And and I didn't, we didn't even mention Tambo. Tambo was the first horse yes. again. He couldn't even canter a circle, and we took him to Grand Prix. He didn't compete a Grand Prix, but he definitely trained it all and competed in into two. And um, he probably taught me the most because he was the first. Mm, yes, taught you to be persistent. <laughs> yes, they all taught me that. Okay, now what is something that you find difficult when riding? Could even be still currently now and how do you overcome this so what's a difficult what, what's something in your writing you still find challenging well let me talk about so i remember when i was learning to ride i could not tell if i was on the correct diagonal i understand that <laughs> <laughs> and i felt so i was really ashamed that i didn't know because everyone around me did and it was almost um like they were gonna laugh at me if I admitted that I didn't know. So I don't know if that still goes on today in writing schools and stuff. And I think that's a real, like that's not good because it's hard to learn something when you don't admit that you need help to learn something. So when the coach would say, are you on the right diagonal or tell us if you're what diagonal you're on, I'd always guess, cause thank God there's only two to choose from. So you do have a good percentage chance of getting it right some of the time. Um, so I think, so if I found everything difficult with riding, I couldn't tell my correct diagonal, then I couldn't tell if the horse was on the correct canter lead, then I couldn't tell if my horse, um, you know, like the, the, the coach might say, is the horse forward enough? I'd be like, well, it's moving forward. So surely yes. (laughs) Um, but pretty much everything I learn, I, I find difficult. I'm the first to say I'm, I'm really not very talented at the riding thing, but how do I overcome that? Persistence, baby. Like I am the most persistent human being on the planet. Um, and the more I've grown and grown up and matured, the more I've gone, it's just better when I say, I don't understand that. Can you please help me? Can you please explain that? To asking questions. Yeah. And you have to make sure you've got the right coach because that can be confronting. Sometimes coaches get really upset with me because they think I'm questioning them and I'm not questioning them. I'm questioning like how I'm not questioning the idea that the horse should be more forward I'm just saying how would I know that the horse is or isn't more forward and how would I go about generating more forward and how would I know that I have successfully accomplished that 
Mm. I am very, <laughs> you're giving me this look, I'm very auditory digital. Like I, how I process my world is very much, I need to know every step before I can take action, which is a huge problem. Like I am so genetically flawed to not succeed in dressage because everything about how I'm wired goes against me. So everything I do naturally, which is I'm not going to do anything until I have all the answers. Well, that I'll never, I'll never write a step because mm -hmm. I don't have, I'll never have all the answers. You speak to 70 year old Grand Prix dressage riders have been doing it for hundred years, even though they're only 70 and they say, I'm still learning. So that is a huge flaw. So I know I have to take imperfect action without knowing all the steps, which is hard for me. And then um, I, I'm, I'm very nitty gritty, like, okay, but, but why would we do that when that happens? And if that happens and we know that writing isn't linear like that, it's not a maths equation. Well, when two plus one equals three, do this. Um, so there's a lot I, and I'm not very patient and I'm not very um, uh, disciplined and I'm not very focused So as you know. So all these things really impact my dressage career. So I find things difficult and how do I overcome this by knowing myself really well and surrounding myself with humans that are okay with me asking questions and trying to get the answers. That's a long answer to that question. It but is but I, I think it may also provide some help and stuff in the next question because Right. We'd like to know what is some advice you would give to younger riders, or probably doesn't even have to be necessarily younger. It could be people who have also any riders, you know, any riders, and, and aspiring to compete. I guess it, at the, this is at the top level, but I think even at any level, really. But, um, but yes, I guess to get towards the Grand Prix levels and stuff like that. <laughs> levels, well, I think multiple. really get clear on what it is that you want. Like some people think I am an incredible failure in my career because. I've only scored 62% at Grand Prix and that I took my Frisian out to Grand Prix when he didn't have 15 ones and when I could only score 52% and they think that's something to be horribly ashamed about and it was a real failure because it wasn't a 60 or a 65 or a 70. And I giggle because I go... I'm kind of thinking with that level of thinking they would never have gone out to yes. compete ever. Yeah, and they yes. would have been really happy with that. Mm. So for them, the goal to, to score, let's say for them, I don't know what they decide in their brain, but let's say they go 65% is a, is a satisfactory score and anything below that isn't. And therefore I'm only gonna go out when I can guarantee I'm gonna get a 65. And if that means they only ever compete pre-St. George and that's their goal, then that's awesome. They've accomplished it. So, so the first thing is get super clear on your goal. My goal was to get to Grand Prix. I didn't care how it looked. I'm a circus, I come from a circus family. It doesn't <laughs> matter, just do the trick. Um, but now that's not my goal. I will never do a Grand Prix again for a 62, because I've done that. So now I want to play in a different world, which means I have to learn a whole different lot of stuff and I have different goals. So the advice is what is top level to you, because it's different to everybody. And then just do it. Like it, I know it sounds, that's a Nike slogan, but there wasn't anything special about me to get my Frisian to Grand Prix. Everyone told me I couldn't. Everyone told me I can't. Everyone said it can't be done. The horse can't do it. You can't do it. That's a stupid goal. Don't do it. But it's my life. And I had decided that that's what I wanted. And so I just went ahead and did it anyway. Mm. So my advice is just go and do what you want to do anyway. And you can't listen to anyone that isn't on board. And that's a huge thing. Like some, like I don't care what age you are, to, to go and do what you want to do um, while everyone's saying that's not a good idea, that's a big thing.
listening to yourself. And, yes, and it's you, know, you are you. You're like, there's no other life. Like when I hear about people that are like, oh, you know, my parents wanted me to go to university, so I went and I did that. Mm. And I go, oh my gosh, Tash, what were you thinking? And that's the thing we tell our kids. Like we almost, you don't like it. I encourage Danica to not listen to us. I go, just because we said it doesn't mean that you should do it. I'd like it if you did. I'd like it if you went to bed. But if you choose and decide that it's not right for you, um, I'm not you. I can't force you, Danica. You are your own human now. Mm. She's six. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, as 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 a parent, I'm sure I'll get it wrong and I'm sure heaps of people are listening to this going, what a bad parent. That's cool, awesome, you have your thought and you have your idea. But I think the, the, the quicker you can learn that it is only your life and only you decide what makes you happy and then just go do that. I think we've digressed. So but, just apply that back to the horse. And I think one sorry? of the things you're saying with the horses is almost just get start, like start, you, you can be at home planning and trying to get it like perfect. It never goes right, to plan. But <laughs> until you actually go out there and start competing like then you can start making adjustments it's kind of like you know the the people who um, plan forever but never execute waiting for it to be perfect so you're kind of like just get started and that is my nemesis because i i don't care about perfection it's just not even a thought in my brain that allows me to take action quickly and get out there but that also means (laughs) to score 100 percent and to win a gold medal i i need to seek perfection so that's where I'm not wired in a way that probably will lead to that outcome, which I've reconciled and totally cool with because I'm having fun. <laughs> <laughs> I guess there's something unique also about you is that you have ridden the Frisians and then now started with the warm bloods. I want to say now, but you've been doing the warm bloods for yeah. a while. Yeah. But that's that's a really that's quite a unique experience. There's a lot of riders out there are either I'm riding Frisians or I'm riding a particular breed or I'm yeah. riding the warm bloods. And now you've been able to do the two. Um, how, how are they? How, how's the differences for you in, in training and, and competing these horses? For me, uh, warm bloods are stronger, they're more talented, they're more athletic, they are bred to perform in the dressage arena. That's what they're bred to do. Um, and you, you, you know that when you ride them and everything's easy with them. Like nothing is, uh, if you, if you have a good one, um, I have, like everything's easy. <laughs> um, their bodies are made to do it. So, um, that's the good thing. Uh, but my heart is with Frisians because, uh, they were bred to pull a cart. I don't know if they were bred back in the day to go into war. Um, but I know for me, it feels like they could carry me into war, that they, they're a hundred percent. What do you want, mum? I'm here to give it to you. Like, I just feel they try so much and they have beautiful hearts. And, um, I've always said with Frisians, I'm lazy. I like to eat a lot of food. They like to eat a lot of food. Mm-hmm. They're pretty lazy. Um, so I just gel with them and, and connect to them so much more. Like they're my heart horse. Um, but it's hard when you've got a horse that's not built to do it and you're saying, can I please get you to do this job? And they're like, sure. Like Ollie has, tries harder than any other horse I've ever sat on in my life. But he just struggles. But he can't do it. Thing. I mean, you always likened it to, 
you got like the Formula One racing with the the, the race cars, uh, the warm bloods. Yeah. They, they, they're built for this race, mm-hmm. for, for the speed, for the execution of it. And then you bring a Frisian along to this race course and completely different vehicle. That there's, it's, it's a like, truck. Yeah, and you're trying to, and you... And I want the truck to go faster and the truck is going, I'll try, I'll try my hardest. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that feeling and I love that about them. And, and they've got really big egos because I ride the stallions and they they teach me, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe maybe I don't belong here or maybe I'm not okay. And then you ride a, you ride a Frisian and they're screaming going, hey, I'm here, I'm awesome. And I just, they teach me how to show up in the world and they teach me how to have confidence and they teach me um, what really matters. That got deep, but that's how I feel. Excellent. Well, that is all of our questions for you today. I love it. Thanks for hanging out with me. All good. Thanks for having out, hanging out with us, guys. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. Make sure to uh, subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Yep. See you later. Okay. Now can you help me while you're here? Mm. <clears throat> That's not it. Did you find the footage?